0: Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If not, like me, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one, with innovators, startup, academia, NGO, all together looking for solutions to the greatest challenge of our time. I'm Samuel Tini, and this is the Sustainability Journey. Welcome to another episode, and today we are going to discuss the world of impact investing, B Corp and microfinance. And we do it with Xavier Pierluca, who is the co-founder and managing partner of Enabling Capital. Thank you so much, Xavier, for being here. Thank you, Samuele.
1: It's uh, very nice to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. I'm very happy to, to participate and look forward to the conversation.
0: Your work, that work you are doing, it's really bringing impact, especially in emerging market and especially in Africa, in critical areas. But before that, as usual, we want to know, who is Javier? What is your sustainability journey? I was born and raised in Lyon, France.
1: And uh, I would say lucky to be born in a relatively well-off family. My, My dad was a doctor. But I was lucky as well to an extent to live actually when I was fairly young in a disenfranchised neighborhood. So I was exposed at a fairly early stage in my life, you know, to... Like uh, the world of difference, no, and uh, I was uh, basically friends with kids, and at, at school with kids, you know, that were coming mainly from uh, foreign countries, uh, North Africa for the the greatest majority, and uh, living in a fairly, you know, what what I would call a blue collar neighborhood or disenfranchised neighborhood. So this, you know, exposed me at a very early stage, you know, when I was six years old, uh, to the the diversity of the world at home, uh, to start with, and the diversity of, you know, socio-economic and cultural backgrounds uh, also made me realize over time, you know, that I was on one hand uh, lucky, right, uh, and on the on the other hand, that maybe, you know, I could uh, use the luck, you know, that was granted to me to make a difference or to improve at least the way things were. And I think this experience, unwanted, unwarranted, I mean, just it was just what it is, No, I mean, I didn't choose. <laughs> I think made me who I am today as well in what relates to sustainability, you know, and the, the professional choices that I've made o- over my uh, professional career. As a result, if you'd like, I, I, I mean, I studied, you know, at university, uh, I engaged, you know, in uh, traditional consulting and investment banking. Uh, working for large you know, firms like Deloitte Consulting or Ernst & Young Corporate Finance and decided that I really wanted to use these skills you know, uh, to make a difference and, and to apply it to the economic development. You know? I joined microfinance actually and the movement in uh, 1994 or 5. I have issues with dates and I started working at the time with Deutsche Bank uh, in New York. So I was on Wall Street, uh, 60 Wall Street at the time. Uh, I was lucky enough to be recruited in a in a team that was operating under the marketing division, and uh, if you like the the not-for-profit division of Deutsche Bank, which had a small arm that was managing microfinance funds and impact investing funds. And uh, I was recruited by a gentleman called called Assad Mahmoud. Uh, who was uh, i would say a true pioneer in uh, in impact investing and uh, led the movement that no one really believed in at the time right i mean uh, my friends called me crazy and uh, many people in my family as well why you know would you deviate from a, a path no that would uh, lead to financial success for example no for something that is fairly uncertain and that looks like uh, is going nowhere. I mean, why why are you lending money, you know, to poor uh, farmers or micro-entrepreneurs in Mexico, in Africa, or in Kyrgyzstan? Uh, why don't you stick to uh, traditional consulting? And, uh, well, I didn't know at the time it was going to become you not know, what it is today. So it's now, I would say, a true industry or sector, which has grown tremendously, which has gained, you know, popularity, which has gained, uh, which is professionally managed by many different organizations across the world as well. and and asset management firms uh, also and and then subsequently i mean then i had a career uh, working in uh, on the private debt and private equity side if you'd like of what is today called impact investing in different sectors starting with financial inclusion which is the mother of all if you'd like or microfinance Uh, the mother of impact investing and then work to uh, access to energy for the lighting and also access to energy for uh, for cooking more recently enabling capital is a company we founded uh, now three years ago and we are yeah 55 people across uh, several regions that's
0: uh, a bit about me and it's a big journey i can see why you shifted and then i mean the people are calling you crazy at the beginning but you were a pioneer and now you are really with enabling capital you're really bringing this social dimension and also in the impact and, and transforming lives. And you have mentioned it. You are now 55 people, you are all, all over the world. So we want to know a bit more. What is enabling capital? Which problem are you trying to solve? we are trying to,
1: we started enabling capital now with a, with a vision uh, and the vision is to it's very simple huh? it's move money to meaning, or m cube if you like uh, <laughs> so we really like you know that uh, small you know tagline that defines very precisely what we do we are an intermediary right that is moving capital from institutional investors family offices high net worth individuals foundations to investing in companies that are providing an essential good and service to the low income, lower middle income segment of the population, primarily in emerging markets. So from that perspective, if you'd like, we don't have a very specific at enabling capital when we started sector focus. You know, we don't choose to work only in microfinance or only in energy or potentially only in healthcare and education. We realize, you know, that we have a fairly interesting and, and a tangible track record, if you like, in asset management, uh, advisory, and impact investing. But we realize as well that there is a lot to learn. There is a lot, you know, uh, to do. And as a result, we structured Enabling Capital as a platform, meaning that we're very happy, you know, and we are looking forward to joint ventures, partnerships, you know, of different sorts in order to achieve the purpose of moving money to meaning, the the vision at the end of the day of EQ, right, or which I think is the vision of many impact investors. It just depends the way you you articulate it. Is that we want, you know, we to a world, you know, we have a vision where we want to embrace uh, the planet and empower people at the end of the day, right? And in order to achieve that vision, basically we move money to meaning. Uh, that's uh, that's EQ.
0: It's a really interesting proposition and the work. And we will discuss also why you have gone to the B Corp also to an extent to the B Corp, B Corp certification. But before that, as usual, we want to discuss uh, something that is important. You said you're an intermediary and then you are working, especially with many actors, really to enable and putting money into meaning, which is, I think, a, a very nice tagline. And I want you to discuss a bit which is the impact that enabling capital has had in the areas where you operate. If you can share with us some success stories uh, of beings individual that have benefited from your investment. I mean I will speak
1: about enabling capital, but also about the journey on impact investing, because enabling capital is is fairly young uh, as a company, but uh, as managing partners we We have been in that space for close to 20 years now right so uh, in working in different organizations that are that still operate right and successfully in in the sector and and we're very uh, happy about that so i will speak just you know about a, a few examples but if you think about microfinance you know, when it started for example and I'm speaking now about the organizations themselves I'm, I'm going to take an example in Bolivia I remember you know um, basically loan officers lending to micro entrepreneurs across wooden table right operating as not for profit organizations 20 years back in uh, La Paz you know or in the outskirts of uh, of La Paz in Bolivia and uh, with professionalism with more investments coming from funds you no know, managed or advised by Organizations like Enabling Capital, these not-for-profit organizations led primarily by women to start with, by the way, a very interesting movement in Bolivia became, you know, full-fledged banking institutions, right, regulated banks started, you know, with one branch or, you know, one small subsidiary and uh, lending, you know, to just a few people in one given neighborhood to now covering an entire country uh, with uh, over 150 branches, you know, and uh, using technology, right? This use of technology, uh, software and hardware as well, uh, thanks to mobile phones, has basically facilitated, you know, and, and helped, you know, the d- d- furthering the outreach of credit to micro entrepreneurs on one hand, but also making it more affordable as well. Credits that were extremely costly to start with, when everything, you know, was operated on a brick and mortar approach at a very small scale you know is now extremely affordable and in some cases in many countries at par with what you can access you know if you're a small and medium enterprise in, in developed markets so that's you know quite a huge achievement and success but what's i think Maybe your question was also, you know, what about the people, right, directly the beneficiaries and the beneficiaries, if you like, the same is true, right? I mean, uh, in Bolivia or or Kenya or Kyrgyzstan or India, you know, which are countries where where we have operated, we've seen, you know, micro entrepreneurs uh, as we were going to board meetings, you know, in institutions where we had invested and visiting them year after year progress from, if you'd like, a small, you know, cart, a food cart, you know, in the in the street to building, you know, restaurants and then chains of restaurants and facilitating now food delivery at the doorstep, you know, of their clients uh, and improving, you know, on, on their services, improving as well, you know, the way they engage with their employees, also offering formal employment, right, uh, in, uh, in their communities. So we we have seen now and and this is the most i would say the thing that i think we all cherish the most in the sector with our own eyes the progression of of, you know a set of 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 people of individuals right from poverty or from you know very uh, dire if you like living conditions to uh, you know a position in society where they can afford to own a house to put their kids to school right to uh, Uh, put light as as well turn on the lights so this is for microfinance but you know for access to energy it's it's even more immediate than that i mean working in access to lighting and cooking when you come you know in a house in kenya you know where you live samueli you install right a solar home system or you you see the installation of a solar home system in a family that never had access to electricity And you offer, you know, the children the chance of uh, watching a cartoon for even five minutes a day or 10 minutes a day, right? The impact is immediate, right? Uh, That the housewife, right, uh, uh, can uh, cook a meal, right? without generating toxic fumes inside the house as well, and damaging your health and the health of your children is an immediate impact as well, right? So this is what impact investing is, is all about, right? And this is what, uh, what EQ
0: strives to achieve. A question that is linked, how oh, uh, do you choose and how do you measure you know, the companies and, then, uh, and, and the social and environmental impact that they have? So that's that's a very important question. Right. And I think this is what
1: distinguishes impact investing from ESG. Right. Or uh, generally speaking, when we speak about ESG, which excludes, you know, activities that are damaging to the environment or to the health of people. Or to society at large, impact investing, the key concept behind it is intentionality. First of all, we are intentional about our investments. So we don't structure a fund out of thin air, right? We go and, and currently enabling capital manages two funds uh, or advises two funds. In reality, we're not a manager, we advise a management firm that invests these, these funds. And so we manage, we advise the enabling microfinance fund, right? In microfinance, and we advise the Spark Plus Africa Fund. And both these funds have very specific intention. No? The Enabling Microfinance Fund, its intention is to facilitate access to credits no, and financial services to the low-income and lower-income segments. So that's the purpose, not the key purpose of that fund. And the SparkPlus Africa Fund wants to facilitate access to the population in, in sub-Saharan Africa to clean cooking solutions. And there are, of course, many different ways and mechanisms to do that, but hopefully we can speak about later on. But uh, intentionality is at the core of what we do at EQ and generally speaking in the impact investing movement. So it means that once we have defined you know an intention, then we design and, and, and structure the fund and the strategy of the fund to achieve that. purpose. So in some cases, it can be a plain vanilla structure of fund, very simple, like an enabling microfinance fund. In some other cases, you need, you know, the support of public and private capital to achieve your purpose. And this is what's called blended finance, if you like, using, you know, a small amount of public money in order to raise private money to achieve your purpose. So each and every fund, if you'd like, uh, is designed with that purpose, and then we create purposefully what is called the theory of change as well. Um, if you want to think no through that, it's basically what do we need, no? And I mean, why do we want to achieve a purpose? What do we need in terms of input to achieve that purpose? What are we going to implement to achieve that purpose? And then how are we going to measure that purpose, right? Which indicators are we going to select? So this is what, what we do with the TOC, you know, our theory of change. And once we have uh, set our theory of change, uh, we have a very robust and tested investment process to invest in emerging markets, generally speaking, and most specifically in you know impact investing and, and companies that provide this access to essential goods and services, not to the low-income population. And so we have several elements on top of just, you know, quantitative and qualitative analysis, which is done by all, if you'd like, investors. We look at uh, environmental and social impact and risk. So we assess that risk. We scale and rate that risk. And we defined what is, you know, called an environmental and social action plan for each and every company in which we invest, for example, with the Spark Plus uh, Africa Fund. Uh, So it means that the company might work, you know, and we might provide technical assistance to improve an operation, a strategic, uh, if you like, objective. We also define with the organization in which we invest on the basis of this overarching objective for the fund or purpose, as I described it, indicators that we will track over the life of our investment and uh, target objectives for each and every indicator uh ideally and then um, we measure on a monthly or quarterly basis our progress so financial progress on one hand and then you know impact progress on the basis of the indicators that we are collecting information for Uh, and we report you know basically these uh, measurements these uh, you know uh, metrics to our investors and aggregate them to see if at the, the fund level we are achieving you know, the purpose of the vehicle that we started uh, initially. So it's a journey again no, of uh, uh, three years, five years, seven years, depending on the type of instrument and investment that you, uh, that you engage with to achieve a, a, a given purpose.
0: Thank you also for explaining I mean, a complex structure very clearly to our audience. I think it's really a way to enable transformation, especially in critical areas. And I want to go deeper a bit on one of the funds, especially the Spark Plus Africa Fund. You are co-managing with the Clean Cooking Alliance. So can you tell more about the impact and how you are spreading the promotion of clean cooking in Africa?
1: So first of all, I mean, before before I engage in what what we do and how we do it no i think the why clean cooking i think is important right um clean cooking is actually a a topic that is lacking i would say traction and is lacking you know interest generally speaking in economic development and in impact investing and has been for for decades now unfortunately there are more people that die annually from clean cooking and what we call household indoor pollution, if you like, so lack of access to clean cooking, but there are people that die from AIDS and malaria combined globally. Right, we're speaking of four million deaths uh, a year that are directly or indirectly linked, no, to uh, cooking as a result, no or traditional forms of cooking. Three billion people on Earth cook, you know, with traditional cooking methods what that means is that you know they, they cook on free stone fires they cook you know mainly with uh, wood that they collect or cut charcoal uh, as well and they cook in many cases indoor as well so you can imagine you no know, it's them it's impacting primarily women and young children that are you know in most traditional societies engage you know with the, the cooking of the meal uh, for the for the family this you know, concept deserves our, you know, uh, attention. And, and as a result, right, at Enabling Capital, we realize that we don't know it all, right? So we partnered with the Clean Cooking Alliance and with, uh, you know, my co-investment director, Peter George, who is now operating and managing the fund alongside uh, myself, you now in Enabling Capital and advising on it. In order to better understand the, the issue and better structure and design the strategy in order to basically achieve our purpose Uh, in what relates to uh, to furthering access to clean cooking. So the fund is a blended finance vehicle. It's a public-private partnership. We are benefiting from the support of the European Commission as well as the African Development Bank. Which are providing catalytic funding and first-loss funding, if you would like, to the fund. We are working as well with several development finance institutions uh, from Belgium, from Denmark, for example, and uh, several pension funds uh, from Switzerland and foundations as well. All of this is layered, if you like. No, uh, it's like a cake. Uh, if you want to think about it, no. At the bottom, you have the crust, no, and then you add layers of different flavors, of course. In your cake and so this is why it's called blended finance if you'd like and uh, the bottom part of the cake no, is basically what supports it all as you know right as we all know when we cook and so this is exactly what blended finance is about no? at the end of the day the bottom part of your fund which is the public money no, that you're utilizing to attract private capital is supporting the entire structure so that's part plus fund if you'd like in what relates to the strategy we said you know it's a seven-year fund it's uh, as i indicated it's a sector that has not been given the attention it deserves no in, uh, in impact investing so we are targeting over seven years deploying capital in the form of long-term if you like equity or quasi-equity and short-term you know uh, access to debt for inventory for working capital as well the fund works with companies that operate with many different types of fuel. So we look at uh, bioethanol, biogas, we look at charcoal as well with improved cook stove, you know, in order to reduce the, the charcoal intake or the wood intake you know, for families to cook. And uh, these are, you know, improved cook stoves that have also very low, if you'd like, or much lower emission of toxic uh, fumes you know, or gas for the families that are also, if you'd like, less damaging for the environment also, and as a result of a positive impact on CO2. We can work as well with LPG, which is a byproduct, of course, of uh, fossil fuel, but an interesting transition fuel, you know, in many sub-Saharan uh, countries, which can have Uh, access to to LPG at relatively affordable prices, like it can be the case in Nigeria, which is an oil-producing country. It's always difficult to achieve the best, right? So you need to to balance vis-a-vis the worst sometimes and the best available solution, you know, for the moment. So so LPG is considered a transition fuel, but we work with it. And uh, for just a percentage of the fund, that is 40%. We work with solar as well, you know, and and uh, electric pressure cookers. Companies that are designing uh, these models, and we invest to ensure you know that uh, families in Sub-Saharan Africa can have access to more you know modern form of uh, of cooking, and uh, limit the damage on health, as I indicated, and limit the damage on on the on the environment. These are the key aspects, if you like, that we are focusing our attention on when it comes to impact
0: for Sparkless. And thank you so much for this description. And it's a problem that I see also every day when I walk in, in communities and in houses. And it's something that many companies, many companies are trying to solve and funds like yours are helping them to scale and solve this um, critical issue. I want to ask now a question about your company. Why you are an impact investing. you are working on this space, but you wanted to go a, a step further and you you certified as a B Corp. So why going for the B Corp certification? How these certifications impacted your operation? How it is improved? So, you know, what was the rationale behind it? The B Corp certification
1: for us is very important, but it's a little bit the other way around, right? As I indicated to you, is. We started basically enabling capital with that vision. You now that I indicated, moving money, you know, to meaning—that's the mission of enabling capital. We started, you know, with that concept of being a platform for uh, impact investing and partnering, you now with uh, with others. But we started as well, you know, with a very unique way of. Managing an organization and setting the governance structure for enabling capital. So we are today five managing partners that are co-founders, if you like, and managing partners and co-managing partners of enabling capital. We operate as a management board. It means, you know, that very much like the, the Swiss confederation, if you want to think, you know, you know of, of, the, of where we are based, Switzerland originally, we operate with an executive board. So, which requires you know, a consensual approach as well to decision-making and is uh, the structure of governance that is prone and facilitates debates, if you like, and, and discussion in order to, to reach you know, a, a, a consensus. So that was uh, quite important uh, for us. And we designed a governance structure and a management approach that is transparent also. So transparent in the sense that the decision making at the partner level or managing partner level, uh, we share. If you'd like, not only the decisions that we have taken, but we share the path to decision making as well. So we share, you know, with the team the concepts that uh, we are discussing. You know, we share, you know, the the budget. Uh, we have financial transparency. We share as well, if you'd like, the the constraints uh, that we are facing in achieving a purpose. And what has led you know uh, to take a decision, and why we took that decision, and how we will implement on that decision, and report actually on the decision, you know, vis-à-vis a given objective. We also take into consideration twice a year in a whole hands meeting, and then in more regional, if you like, meetings, the the views, the opinions of the regional managers and teams when it comes to the strategy and the way we operate. We have. To achieve that proposal you know, as well, we have designed a set of tools and policies, processes that are, if you like, not only very well crafted, but that are disseminated across the company. And we apply, you know, the same rules to us, managing partners, and then the rules we apply to, uh, if you like, any employee of the organization. So. The concept as well you know of moving money to meaning is deeply embedded in our uh, which is our mission statement is is embedded in our articles of association right in our shareholder agreement uh, that uh, we have as well with our institutional investor and as a result it was you know only sensical for us to uh, become if you'd like a big corporation right i mean big corporations strive for transparency, proper, you know, governance as well, uh, proper treatment of all stakeholders, not only shareholders, which is exactly, you know, the approach we are taking. We have an account- We are accountable vis-a-vis our investors, vis-a-vis our employees, uh, vis-a-vis our partners, internally and externally as well. We are transparent you know, uh, vis-a-vis all of these stakeholders as well. Uh, so it's, it is logical for us to join the B Corp movement uh, from that perspective. So we are now, you know, being a B Corp as well. And I think to go through uh, a set, uh, we understand uh, further, if you'd like, audit and engagement, you know, with the, the B Corp uh, movement is also forcing us and will force us to keep in check, you know, with uh, what we have set for ourselves. So, and it's not such a bad thing, you know? I mean, as human beings, we tend to deviate from rules know, when we can. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have stopped making promises to myself, you know, on January 1st of, of every year, right? I mean, I, I know many, many quite often, I don't, I don't respect them. Uh, so it's why, you know, it's always kind of good, you know, to have a third party, uh, keeping you in check and, and making sure that you are actually uh, fulfilling uh,
0: your promises. Thank you so much for this explanation also of the work and how, you know, the B Corp certification is keeping people in check and really working on improving the the company. So it's a a process rather than an arrival. And and the B Corp certification, it's really something that, especially with the new standards coming up, it will also help improve even more the, the standards we are going towards the end of the episode because i know we have discussed a lot but i really i really am really grateful and i want to ask a bit about the way forward for uh, eq for enabling capital no for eq as we can say so you are in the process of becoming a regulator asset manager you have a big team now that is uh, in uh, several continents so which is the way forward for um, eq
1: Well, the way forward uh, for EQ is to continue to grow basically the strategies and the funds that we currently manage on one hand, right? And uh, as usual, it's easy to kickstart a project, but you need to maintain it, you need to monitor it, uh, you need to nurture it uh, as well. So, um, you know, making sure that we keep doing a good work basically in the space of financial inclusion and access to uh, clean uh, cooking with, uh, with the Spark Plus Africa Fund. Uh, this is our main focus. We are focusing, you know, as you indicated, about the regula- regulation aspect. Engaging with Finma in order to become a regulated asset manager. Uh, we are currently operating as an advisor, basically. It is a certification and, you know, regulation that is important for us. Uh, we now have assets under management that are above, I think, 550 million dollars. And so, as a, as a result, if you like, of this. Um, Base, no. It is important for us to become our own uh, master, if you like, when it comes to um, uh, asset management. We are currently again, you know, depending on the the, the support of uh, external parties or internal parties, because the asset manager of our fund, or the what we call the alternative investment fund manager, to be precise, is our institutional shareholder with asset management. So that's the path we are taking, and then we are working on developing new products. Can be listed on one hand. We are working in developing products, you know, that uh, uh, with other instruments uh, such as equity, which uh, we are doing only to an extent currently with the Spark Press Africa Fund, and we are starting to look as well at other sectors, um, either on a standalone basis, uh, in tandem, in partnership with uh, with other entities, to develop, if you like, uh, vehicles, impact vehicles. Uh, that will always, you know, basically focus on providing essential good and service to the, the low income and the lower middle income, right? With a positive aspect on, on the planet. So climate change is also a topic that is of, of interest uh, to us. I mean, the Spark Plus Fund is actually, as, as an overarching goal, CO2 emission reduction, for example. So, And we are working as well on, on structuring, you know, uh, funds. Uh, that have a, a positive impact on, on climate. That's more or less what it is. I mean, size is not what matters the most. It's uh, reaching economies of scale for us is, uh, is allowing us to generate enough revenues to, to ensure sustainability. This is, uh, this is important. And to innovate, you know, uh, to keep pushing the
0: limits as well in the impact investing sector. And thank you for this perspective and really ambitious objectives that you have set for yourself and your team and enabling capital. And the listeners that are all over the world and they're listening to you and many of them, they are businesses or individual or organization that maybe they want to look to get involved in impact investment. They are involved in the in the sector or they want to make their investment more social, uh, more environmentally responsible. They want to respond to this, our planetary crisis. What is the advice that Xavier would uh, give to them? You know- you would
1: have asked this question 10 years ago, I would have told you, um, you know, if you really want to do impact investing, so quit your job no, in investment banking, in consulting, in engineering, and join, you know, the movement, structure funds, or go create companies, you know, on the ground. This is still valid, right? But I think you can change and you can do impact investing from within, right? you can be an intrapreneur uh, in the companies where you currently work. You can, you know, and there is a movement, right? I see the younger generations, they are very adamant and active and and pushing, you know, the the envelope in order to to make sure that their uh, executives and the board and the management in companies where they, they work, right, are looking to basically improve their operations, their standards when it comes to sustainability, uh, making sure that you know the companies they work with are not damaging the environment as well, or are having a positive impact uh, that, that could be social, environmental, or economic. You can also work from within, right? If the desire to improve you no know, planet and people is within you, you can conduct that change and you can be a change for conduct within the organizations that you currently work with. Uh, if you want to touch impact investing more rapidly, of course, there are opportunities and now they are all over the world. I mean you are based yourself Samuel uh, in Kenya, I am based in Switzerland. We have a team in Kyrgyzstan, in India, in Pakistan, in Ecuador. Uh, there are opportunities all over the world. And in across sectors, impact investing is not you know microfinance, impact investing is not clean cooking, impact investing is everything. It's healthcare. It's improving the way you you do engineering. It's improving the way you do architecture, building, you know, cleaner and safer houses, no, uh, as well and less damaging for the environment. It's uh, sustainable mining. Uh, This is, is, you know, at the end of the day, I think the direction that it's taking and and it's very exciting, right? Something that was a joke 20 years ago is now becoming a standard. Uh, So we are very excited about that.
0: And thank you so much for this episode and for the great insight that you have given us. And I'm sure we want to see where uh, Enabling Capital is going. So it was a real pleasure and a real uh, honor having you thank you so much thanks a lot samuel
1: for the opportunity thanks a lot for your time and uh, well i look forward you know to continuing the conversation with you uh, outside of the podcast as well and uh, and i wish uh, the sustainability journey in your podcast uh, a long life and uh, an increased audience you know
0: uh, throughout uh, the, the years thank you so much thank you thank you Javier. Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? Let's continue together our sustainability journey!